right, welcome to the show, everyone. I don't know what we did to deserve this, but last week we're sitting alongside Kentucky Lake, and this week we're sitting in an office, or I mean in a conference room. What did we do? Jason, what did you do to that? I don't know. I mean, you know, get kicked out of my office, and now yeah. I'm sitting in this conference room. I'd rather be outside. We were, yeah, we don't know what we're going to look like week to week right now on this show. This is Tennessee Wildcast. I'm Doug Markham, Jason Harmon. Chuck Yost we'll get to in a few minutes, but... We're having a lot of work done over here at TWRA, having some buildings, having some work done on our building. So we, who knows where we'll be next week? But maybe at your house. Yeah. So who knows? <laughs> who knows where we might be? Anyway, good to have you here. We're still going to be doing a show, and this is Tennessee Wildcast. It's the podcast of the Tennessee Wildlife Resources Agency. Please tell your friends about it. We want them to know we're doing it. Got a good show for you today. Got a lot of current events to give you, and then we're going to talk to Chuck Yost. He is the Assistant Wildlife and Forestry Chief uh, for TWRA, and we had the season set the other day. Um, most of you, I think, like it. Some of you may not like some of the things we did, but we're going to talk about them with Chuck later today. Got a lot to talk about first, though. Jason, what's yeah. going on? Let's uh, let's talk about tag board a little bit. We're getting that off the ground, uh, yeah. getting it running, and uh, people can submit their photos to to us through tag board. Uh, just it's easy. You go on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatnot, and hashtag your photos and send them right to us uh, that way, and we can feature them on our website. You got trophy room, and you've got the TM Wildlife, uh, just photos of outdoor and y'all, uh, the sportsmen enjoying the outdoors. And I'm gonna show one right here on the screen. Just pull it up for the folks oh, I like at home. That photograph, that's cool. This is uh, Mr. This is his handle, D Hammer, the Hammer 75 is the guy's handle on Instagram. <laughs> but he hashtag TN Trophy Room, and his photo went on our um, our trophy room I like board. It. So good photo. And it's just a way cool. to get y'all involved. We want to see your photographs, which are. What you're doing, and we have uh, we get a lot of nature bird shots on some of this stuff. And yeah, there's a lot. Of, yeah, especially on the TM Wildlife Board. You know, if you hashtag that, just send in your outdoor photos, birds, and and just scenery, and you enjoying the outdoors. You know. Speaking of enjoying the outdoors, we did a little bit of it last yeah. week. We didn't had a meeting over on Woods Reservoir, so you and I went and did some research today early, right? Yeah, we uh, we I'll show the folks at home this one too. We uh, did a little research. Caught a little bluegill, found some bluegill beds. and They're bedding everywhere. Yeah. Woods has a, a good shellcracker population, supposedly. We didn't find those, but we found about 100 uh, blue, bluegill beds. It was easy. Yeah. Get out right now if you just like action. Get your kids outside. Get Hatcher outside, Chuck. And then you can just go in a cove somewhere and look for little divots, on, and, and that's where the bluegill are. And if you have good electronics that work properly, if you got some of those – uh, down sonars and let you see the bottom really good. They'll look like little. I mean, they look like like divots in a golf course mm-hmm. on your on your screen, and that's a good way. That's that's bluegill or shellcracker when you find them. That so, was my first time actually seeing them. I'd never really seen them before, and Doug showed me that. And that was pretty cool. Pretty cool. And uh, we never used a cricket, never used a worm, never used a night crawler. We were just using something called a trout magnet. But if you get a little bitty old jig, a little mm-hmm. bitty just a grub, black white somewhere in that color natural colors you'll catch all the fish you want under a bobber and every now and then we were just casting it and just pulling it along on the bottom it seemed like they changed through the day of what they wanted yeah and we managed to catch them right it was a good day and, and watch facebook we're going to show, uh, show a little footage from that trip and put together a little video and show you how it's done okay good and, and uh, we also have some numbers to give folks on turkey that just ended uh, the wild turkey season is over sorry about that guys the season is over until next spring we'll have a fall season we're going to talk about that too but the uh, spring season is over, and the tally for this year, 32,254. Might go up by a few. There may be a few tags still checked in along the way, but 32,254 versus last year, 31,498. That was like 756 birds difference. And the year before was 32,633. So it was a few more birds that you got in 2014. I will ask Chuck real quick. 
pretty much the same within 500,000 birds every year on the turkey stuff. That's correct. Yeah, just not changing too terribly much. Pretty stable populations. We know there's some issues in some parts of the state, but but overall, pretty pretty normal. Overall, there is a lot of concern, though, in the southeast about turkey populations, and we'll, we'll talk about that we some do. more with the regulation changes. There's been a study that's going to that's gonna take place, and I think it's a good thing for the sportsmen. Also, Jason, you got some other numbers going on or some other things going on, right? Yeah, uh, let's let's show this uh, photo. You know, Chuck uh, got him a turkey what this weekend, past weekend, last weekend of the season. That's right. Yeah, I got I, I was lucky enough to get one on Saturday and on Sunday, and this is the, the turkey that I harvested on Saturday. You know, it, um, it's been been a really really busy season for me personally. I, the work that we've been doing in the wildlife division. Uh, has has prevent, prevented me from hunting much but this weekend since we had just gotten through with our our big season setting commission meeting i i, I kind of uh, put my energy towards the turkeys you deserved it chuck you well, worked hard you. the whole crew up there worked hard you and joe benedict mark goodlin joy swinney a lot of folks put many many hours getting together this year's season setting which we're going to talk about let me Jason and I give you some brief things, and then we're going to get it into detail. The, I guess one of the biggest things that changed was the there's a new unit map right. for deer hunting in Tennessee, and we'll get Chuck to get into that in a minute. But it's a it's a it's going to look different. You got a couple additional units in it now. This is official. We've got C and D that's new in there, and um, we'll get into the units and what the bag limits and all that with Chuck in a few minutes. We also changed the definition. Uh, the commission did of antlerless deer. Um, now it used to be under three inches. Uh, it's if it breaks the skin uh, the hairline rather if it breaks the hairline on a deer now it's considered a buck if an antler breaks that hairline if it's a button buck and it doesn't break the hairline then it's it's not if it if it breaks that hairline is that correct then it becomes a, an antler an antler deer that's correct the, the change is that the antler deer limit is two which before the way it was stated was is that the antler buck limit was two so that's a matter of clarification there so so any male or female deer with antlers protruding above the hairline will count against a hunter's antler bag limit of two. So if you harvest a deer and you look down at the top of their head and you see antler, then it's it, it would count towards your two. Okay. Well, let's stay there for a second then, Chuck. I, I was going to get into some of these others, but let's go ahead and stay on the antlers for, for another minute or two. Why was this done? Well, it was done so that all antler deer did, in fact, go towards a hunter's antler bag limit. Okay, right. and I was looking at our Facebook page the other day after we posted what was what had happened at the commission meeting. Again, it was over at Woods Reservoir at the Gossick Center this past week, um, and it seemed like it, more people liked the change. Now, this is just on Facebook than than didn't, but there are some that didn't like the change. They think you ought to be able to have that extra few inches to make a mistake, but that's not going to be the case anymore. Right. the The mindset was is that the previous regulation created an allowance for folks that. Um, maybe thought they were shooting a doe, but it turned out to be a very small antlered buck. Uh, so, so I guess that's the resistance in some cases. But overall, it's it, it's uh, my impression has been that it's positive uh, the response to that change. And an, another part of it that most people may not think about is that one of the biggest benefits of this change is it 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 helps clarify the data that we collect that is what we use to base our management decisions on and our recommendations on is this this category that had kind of been created out of thin air of an antlerless buck um, 
it, it's just a, it's just unnecessary uh, complexity. And when it come, when it came to data analysis, what we used to make base decisions on it, it it was it was a challenging thing to to uh, help people understand how something with an antler could be considered an antlerless buck because it did in fact have antlers, but it fell under three inches. Mm-hmm. So. In the future, we should no longer have that issue. All right, and you told me before we got started on there how many, how many you can tell how many antlerless old under the old regulation, how many antlerless deer were killed in the past. How many say last year were harvested by hunters that were considered antlerless, or the in the year before because we made a yeah, change last yeah, year. Yeah, it's a real, real interesting finding. Typically, that number of antlerless bucks again these have antler but less than three inches that number would average around 10,000 annually now if you remember uh, this past deer season was the first uh, year that we had the reduction in the buck limit to two that number that number dropped to in the three thousands um, it was roughly 3,700 I believe but it was a 70 some odd percent decrease in the number of deer harvested that fell into that category and 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 some some think that that is a, a direct result of hunters being more selective because of the buck limit reduction. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you know the, uh, one of the complaints is that some folks are just going to let the deer lay there because they don't want to check it in as a buck. You got to make cha- regulation changes. You just hope the ethics follow you, right? Uh, that that's exactly right. And you know there are, there are those that that are concerned about that. Um, one might argue that that's a concern with all the regulations related to deer so right i agree with that and fishing as a matter of fact when you create stuff on there you're either going to follow the law like you should or you're not and i think most folks follow the law i agree all right okay we also had some other changes five additional elk tags added this year we'll get into that in a minute with chuck so you got a chance to get drawn for at least nine of them i think one's auctioned off and one's for juvenile or young hunter and the other nine are drawn for correct let's see we'll be up to 11 now total 11 and, and uh, all of those, uh, except for one, are drawn. Okay, so, all so but one are drawn. All but one. Okay, now one, one, one's but, for you. But you're right, yeah. one is youth specific. Okay, all right. And and this change, Chuck, that we got in the, the map that Todd threw up there a minute ago, what is the significance of that? Why did we add a C and a D this year? And he's got it back up there. Why is it there? And what are the bag limit, limit significance in these things? Well, this is a, this is a fairly large change for our regulations um but w- what this does is is several things is one is it creates antlerless gun hunting opportunity in all counties in tennessee mm-hmm. uh, that's probably the most significant change so it creates a lot of a lot more opportunity if you look at this package in its entirety there's a whole lot more antlerless gun hunting opportunities in the state now and in some cases, specifically unit C and D, the new units, is that that number of days uh, is limited to 16 or 7, depending on the unit, unit. but it's all geared uh, towards the front of the season or the beginning of the gun season with, with the thought of it, there's more opportunity to take antlerless deer then just because you're seeing more deer then. The deer aren't as spooked, and it's easier to see them. So the idea is to... Uh, create more opportunity okay and for those of us that have lived our lives in what up there is unit l middle tennessee west tennessee it doesn't seem 
like a we're not understanding the big deal of it necessarily, but it's a big deal for the hunters over east where the harvest isn't as large and where the population's not as large. Is that what's going on over there? Yeah, it, it is. It is a big change uh, in East Tennessee uh, and in some areas of uh, some areas around the plateau. But in in West Tennessee, it's it's for the most part no change. However, that we, there were four counties that were added into Unit L that were previously in Unit A, and um, off the cuff, it's Dyer, T- uh, Dyer Tipton. Lauderdale and I believe Lake. Okay, so they're they're become in the liberal unit, and that means we got the bag limits up behind you, Chuck, and, and all the units except for L. L remains three antlerless deer a day. Correct. That's exactly right. All right, and you see the other ones that are out there and, and what they are. Were there any additions um, on the on the unit C, D, and B? Did you add a deer or two here or there? Or is it pretty much the way it's been? Yeah, there's there's some change there in unit A. The muzzleloader. Uh, bag limit was previously four now that's two uh, now as opposed to four and then unit b the muzzleloader uh, bag limit was one and now it's now it's two two okay so there's a there's a deer added there and the the thinking behind those changes in muzzleloader is is that we expect the the antlerless harvest to be uh, higher in those uh, during gun season to be higher during gun season than what we've traditionally seen because now we have more counties open to that opportunity and again it's on the front end where the success should be higher and in the case of unit a that muzzleloader reduction from four to two is to help compensate for that increase in gun so uh, where it may be perceived as a reduction in fact i predict that it'll be the same harvest or a little bit more because it there'll be more harvesting gun Okay, all right. And the, had a question out on our Facebook, too, that said, why don't you just tell everybody how many deer they can kill and let them go at it? Why Why do you have to manage these areas differently, Chuck? That's that's a good question. And, and, and some, some feel we just ought to set a blanket bag limit for the units and not specify gun or or muzzleloader. Just give them, for example, you could just say four. Yeah. It doesn't matter at what point you kill them. Um, however... There, there is the need to be more specific than that uh, in considering, you know, the fact that gun hunters are generally a lot more successful uh, than, than archery hunters. So there is that need to be specific to the weapon type, as as you see. Okay. <clears throat> All right. And it's still also over in the eastern part, populations are, are not as established as it may never be because of the habitat as it is over in middle and west Tennessee. Is there truth to that still? That. There's truth to, to to all of that. You're you're correct that your densities are lower in East Tennessee than in West. However, in some cases, of West they're higher than we would like them to be. Uh, so it, it kind of goes both ways. But in the East, the densities are lower. However, uh, in areas where there is good habitat, those numbers are continuing to increase. Okay. Do we know how many deer are in Tennessee now? Our, our estimated number. We we had an estimate back in 2010 and 11. I I hesitate to to estimate it currently because I, I don't have the data to support it. Uh, however, I, I wouldn't suspect that it'd be much different. Okay, and, and okay to say what it was back in 2010? 700,000. 700,000. So it's under a million. That's right. That we know. That's okay. Right. All right. 700,000. That's a lot of deer, and and a lot of deer will be taken. Our harvest in yearly now averages about what? 
about 165. 165. And I know years ago when I talked about a whole lot, that 165 was always being replaced by Young the next year, correct? They, they replenished themselves quite well with the manager that we have. That's right. Okay. All right. Can we make one statement about this this uh, chart? Do you think this simplifies, makes it simple for the hunter to, to follow what they can shoot as far as doe-wise or antlerless? Yeah. So one, thanks for pointing that out, Jason. One of my, one of my favorite things about this this regulation is this is after just a year or two the hunters in in a b c and d probably won't even have to pull out their hunting guides to remember when they can take antlerless deer and that's that's completely new because if you remember from the past we had the non-quota hunt table in there and right. the seasons were split um some some of those opportunities were two days some of them were five days it was kind of all over the place and this this boils it down much simpler okay all right that will be in the guide it's already on our facebook it's already on lee wilmot has a press release out there in our newsroom on our website which is tnwildlife.org tnwildlife.org it's out there so you can read about it and i'm going to be working with joe benedict to get a nice one page this is everything that's done out there this week on our website and it also be in the guide because we want to make it as easy as possible but i think you've really simplified some stuff with this chart right yeah, here that's correct and and well done with it um thank you all right chuck turkeys there is some concern about turkeys, obviously, and there's some concern from, from turkey hunters. I read a lot of the comments that the Wildlife Division received during a comment period, and I, the, the most I saw, and I didn't read them every day, was from turkey hunters saying, do something about the turkey harvest. And so the agency did some, but really the commission came along and said, we're going to really restrict what's going on in the fall right now, and they knocked the turkey uh, bag limit down to one in the fall season in the counties that are open so if you live where i do in davison county i think it's open to one bird if you live over in bedford it's one bird and then whatever counties are open you can cross lines and, and get that uh, another bird I mean, you're not restricted to one uh, you can if you want to go to all counties that open you might can get 60 or 70 i don't know how many counties are open but chuck what's the reason for this uh why did they do it and what's been the response that you're aware of? well the agency had a recommendation that that we reduce some of the turkey fall bag limits in counties where where there is a perceived decline mm -hmm. and uh, so that was agency recommendation now now the commission it was was thinking about this from a southeastern perspective i mentioned earlier that there's this southeast middle tennessee no no I'm oh, southeast the whole southeast region oh gotcha yeah, okay so All southeast right. regional okay um for the u.s for the u.s and uh, and and the the fact that 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 there's this decline in the southeast in its entirety the commission's uh, desires to be proactive and and to to go ahead and and limit the fall harvest to one in those counties to to ensure that we don't see the level of a decline that some of the other southeastern states are experiencing okay this is a reminder everyone this is an either sex hunt in the fall that's correct and and in the spring of course you can only go after bearded birds so We'll see how that does and, and how people respond to it because there have been times where we had as many as six birds that could be taken in the fall in some counties and three and it was all over the place. Now it's going to be one. And and I think the response will be mostly positive from hunters. Well, time will tell. We'll see. We'll see. We shall see. Now, speaking of that and studies, the agency also um, got approval to spend some money on a study. Tell us about that. That's right. So 
based on this perceived decline, they they want to put some some energy into documenting exactly what is happening in Tennessee with our turkey populations. Now, the focus of this study is in the southeast, and when I say southeast, this time I mean south, southeastern Tennessee. Yeah, okay. Uh, so the so the focus of <laughs> the work will be there. But the the one of the cool things or great things about uh, this this project is is that. It's gonna it's gonna give us great information uh, for statewide management of turkeys. So just because it's focused in Tennessee doesn't mean that it doesn't want to apply statewide. Right. So this information will be used to uh, better manage our populations. It's a six-year study. Is that correct? That's that's correct. The total cost I think was a million eighteen thousand or something like that. But that's over six years, and by everybody's calculation. It's not very much money to spend over a six-year study, and it's also all federal dollars. You're not getting none of your state dollars, license dollars, are being spent on this thing, right? Yeah, that's correct. It's 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 uh, it's either funded by federal monies or the money or the match that's provided by the University of Tennessee. Tennessee. So, um, yeah, and it, the reason why this is so important is the fact that you know our turkeys are such a valued resource, and currently. The extent of our data that we use for our decision making is is harvest data. Well, we need more information than that. So this gives us an op- opportunity to fully document recruitment. If there's any disease related issues, uh, there's just tons of information that that will allow us to even, to make even better decisions regarding turkeys in the future. Okay, and this will be this study is going to start when? Did is it been determined yet? Yeah, if I if I remember correctly, it would start this coming fall. Okay, all right, and and for six years this will go on, and at the end of it, I, I expect other states will also be interested in our findings here in Tennessee. But uh, you you mentioned it just because it's t- occurring down in the southern middle Tennessee part. No reason it can't be used statewide to help determine what might be causing declines in some areas where oh, going to take well, there's, there's no doubt it'll be used statewide so yeah okay good and it is university of tennessee anybody else involved in it no that's it okay all right now you also been working on another very important piece of, of uh well another another great piece of work and you've spent a lot of time on it in between uh setting the seasons helping doing all that season season setting stuff chuck and that is chronic wasting disease and a great big report on how to handle it if it comes to tennessee Let's tell them what it is first, and then you can tell them what you've done. Well, chronic, you want me to tell them what chronic waste disease is? I do, is? yeah. Okay, well, I'm not sure we got enough radio show for that. <laughs> uh, I do it in a nutshell. But it's a, it's, a, it's a disease that is always fatal, Yeah. and it's having nationwide impacts. Always fatal to? Always fatal to deer, uh, moose, elk, what we call cervids. Cervids. Okay, that, right. that's, that's the deer family is what cervids are. Okay, and in Tennessee, the ones we have in the wild are white-tailed deer and elk, and they're both impacted by this disease. So thankfully, we don't have it in our state, and and we want to do everything that we can to prevent it from coming here because it has such a crippling effect on on deer and elk populations. So it's a, it's always fatal. It's caused by a misfolded protein that causes holes in the brain, which obviously leads it's to death. Prion or prion is that? Pre- Prion. Prion. P R I O N. I mispronounce it all the time. Me too. Yeah. All right, go ahead. But anyway, so uh, we want to be proactive in preventing it from coming here. But if it if it does arrive here, uh, we want to do as best a job as we can at early detection, uh, and then to contain it. And what I laid out at the commission meeting last week was uh, TWRA's response plan 
if the disease were to occur here. Let me back up a little bit. The, it, it is contagious, contagious to serve. It's not to people as far as we know. It doesn't hurt people in any way, not livestock. It's similar to mad cow disease the way I, my non-scientific mind understands, but it's not mad cow disease, but it'll wipe out a, a cervid population. Well, it's in the same family of diseases as mad cow. Hmm. Uh, it is not known to affect humans. Uh, chronic wasting disease is not known to affect humans. But it, it, it has a crippling impact on the deer population. It does. And it doesn't affect human in the physiological way, but economically and things like that, it can be devastating as far as what it does to jobs and our industry and hunting and the dollars it brings in and, and wildlife viewing. It can do all kinds of things. We don't want it to have occur in Tennessee. It's, it's occurred west of us in Arkansas. And they are struggling right now to try to stop it. And I just saw today in an email that, it's, that Pennsylvania has picked up more cases of it over up in up in that state so it's around us it's just not here and how do we stop it from coming here what's the preventive measures well you've got 24 states and two canadian provinces where it exists and the biggest challenge of chronic wasting disease is it, it's environmental it gets in the environment so it can be passed from the environment and from animals but what do you mean by the environment food uh, or? thank you for asking that yeah. I, I do mean that an animal could can they could consume grasses that could have the prion Okay, that's how crazy this disease is. So okay. it could be, uh, it can make its way into the soil, and then the plants uptake it from the soil, and then it can be transferred to animals eating that grass. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Didn't yeah. So that. this is something that we we want to do all we can to keep it out of the state. Now, preventive me- measures, uh, the 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 two that the agency is currently considering is you'll recall that there's a there's uh, restrictions on how you can bring cervic carcasses that hunters take in other states. Uh, if it's from a state that has had CWD, then they are required to bring the meat in deboned and had clean taxidermy to bring it into the state. Now, the the, the agency is considering uh, involving more areas and requiring that hunters from all areas bringing those cervids into our state meet those requirements. And then there's also talk about um, possibly uh, requiring that hunters who use uh, cervid urine uh, as a lure that those products be certified before they're used okay that would be deer urine is that what we're talking about that's right okay that's right. all right lures i like that all right all right then then um there are a lot of people that go if you're wondering why do folks come in from other a lot of people go out west or other places to elk hunt uh, mule hunt mule deer hunt mm-hmm. whitetail hunt for big whitetail trophy and some of the states that are having the issues um i want to mention have captive whitetail deer populations do we do that in tennessee we don't we don't that, that's what i believe it's just my opinion as a as a deer biologist but i believe that um, it's a competitive advantage in a sense uh, for that we don't have that we don't allow that in our state and that le- that lessens the amount of movement of uh, of servants through or in our state and there i, I say that it, it it's probably the number one reason why we don't currently have chronic wasting disease because the the movement of cervids is what complicates this this issue and really increases the likelihood of transferring disease into an area is by moving deer or elk into or out of them all right but there is some captive breeding in tennessee of other of other not deer necessarily but of other cervids that we have well there are um high fence facilities that contain cervids mm-hmm. and in most cases those are fallow deer or sika deer but exotic deer 
okay. not native whitetails. And not no hunting allowed, and those are, are there hunting? Well, there so, is, is there, there okay. is hunting, All right. and and those are permitted through TWRA, and they're permitted as big game wildlife preserves. Okay, so still got some concerns here that we're always looking at and woodwork. I think it's even part of your study a little bit. That's right. Okay. All right. Uh, what else is in that study, Chuck, that, that folks should know about? Have we hit the highlights, or are there some other things in there? Of the chronic waste and disease project. Right. Yep. So the, the, the focus is prevention, which we've always touched, we've already touched on. Another big emphasis is our sampling efforts. You know, we already do some annual sampling to detect the disease because early detection is so important. And, you know, we're going to have an even greater emphasis on that program in the future because of the increased concerns, because of the new findings in Arkansas and uh, Pennsylvania you mentioned earlier. So there's, there's, there's reason to be concerned about it and increase our sampling even more. But then the, the final part of that project is just preparing if it is found here to contain it. And containment is... Uh, you know that that that'll be a very big initiative because that may require our commission to take even uh, greater measures uh, to try to contain it, which could include, in the case of a containment area, which will be established, maybe even increase lengths and seasons, and maybe changes in weapon types. Okay. All right, Chuck. We'll get you back on here sometime and talk more about that. I hope we don't have to get you on there and talk about we got to stop it now because it's here. I'm, right. I'm, I'm dreading that day if it happens, and I, I hope that it doesn't happen, Chuck. Um, five more tags. We didn't get into that to a whole lot, but in a 10-second 10 second bite, why do we have five additional tags for elk? Because the opportunity's there, and it's a, that's probably the change I'm most excited about. So uh, I'm glad to know that there'll be five additional tags for our Tennessee hunt. We'll get you back in and talk about elk, okay? Yeah, we'll give you good. more time. Great job. I thought you did wonderful at Thank the commission you. meeting, too. All right, Jason, anything else? Yeah, if you want to watch those commission meetings and catch up on all the details, go to tnwildlife.org and follow the links there. Uh, also, don't forget tag board and watch the show on Tennessee Wild, or tnwildlife.org. Thanks, Todd. Hey, all these dates will be out on our website, all these hunting dates, all right? We'll see you next week. Yeah.